Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here we go, it's episode number 11 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Co- Podcast. My name is Sean Basto. Today, I've got a very special guest. I'm here at Hatton's Health and Fitness in Hyde, uh, and I'm with Stacey Copeland. Stacey, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really glad to get you on. Uh, what prompted me to get you on is I've seen that you'd uh, done a podcast a few weeks ago, and I thought, you know what, I want to I get Stacey on. Um, I've been to Platform Performance recently, as, as we've just been talking about, and spoke to Mark and Steve over there, and I know you're down there doing a lot of training, so they were telling us a few stories on that particular podcast about yourself, your background, and I wanted to hear it really from you, and you know the old cliche of hearing it from the horse's mouth I wanted to hear what your story is really so what I want to know first and foremost is um, people might know it already but how did you get into boxing? Um, I started when I was about six or seven years old going in the boxing gym uh, mainly because my granddad ran our gym Roy Richardson um, he still does <clears throat> he's 85 now and he's been running it for over 40 years but he's still at it my dad was a boxer um, he was an England boxer and ABA champion and then turned professional himself and a, a you know, serious eye injury stopped his career. So yeah, from being little, my dad would have me like, you know, sparring with him and we'd have the gloves on and be messing about and stuff and granddad I was his first grandchild and I don't think it mattered whether I was a boy or a girl to him, he just, you know, wanted to take one of us in the gym and luckily for him and me, I loved it. So yeah, I was going in the gym for being a little kid. It was there uh, three nights a week, doing everything that all my little lad mates were doing. Uh, sparring with them, circuits, training, went to all the shows, absolutely loved it. But when it came to the age, you know, when you can start doing skills yeah. bouts at least, um, then granddad was like, you know, you can't. I was like, why not? And he said, oh, you know, girls are not allowed. And then it was it was illegal, full stop, for women to compete in boxing. So um, it kind of brought it to an end for many years because 
by then I was you know really into football as well yeah. there was a lot of opportunities opening up for them uh, back then for girls in football so I went into that but I never stopped my boxing training I always kept it up over the years and wherever I went abroad when I was playing football I always went into boxing gyms there as well and you know it was much later but I eventually got my chance to box I never knew about the football side of things so <coughs> did you actually go on to, to progress that you still doing football now as well as boxing no I don't or? do football now it's too uh, I've got too many injuries with football but I played um, in the Premier League over here for Tranmere Rovers Man City Doncaster Bells played in the FA Cup and then I took the opportunity at 22 to go on a sports scholarship to America so I played for about five years in America and then played for a bit in Brazil um, did a pre-season tour in Brazil and then finished my playing career in Sweden um, in the Women's Semi-Pro League there and I I played for England as well so I had a fantastic career in football and when I got back from playing abroad and everything I'd done everything I wanted to do I just had three main goals in football which was to play for my country play in the FA Cup and play abroad so when I'd done all of them I knew it was my time then to um, to pursue them dreams in boxing that I'd never quite lost and of course the landscape of the women's game was completely different by then because it was legal it was just coming into the Olympics and you know there was the ABAs were thriving and it was uh, yeah it was a great thing to be part of I've never heard the story of the football <coughs> career before so forgive me for, for not knowing that because I've obviously I've picked you up at this stage in your career now where you're boxing and, and, and predominantly focusing on the boxing career so to hear the, the, the football side of the story it's, it's, it's pretty amazing to be fair and when I, when I finish on the podcast I'll be looking on Wikipedia and Google and all sorts you know looking into it because it's, um, it is very interesting that you've now transitioned from one dream to another dream and you've just shown a lot of people and probably inspired a lot of people that you know once you've fulfilled one achievement you can certainly go on to start on your next one which is what you're doing at the moment and as you said now you've come back into boxing and the women's boxing scene at the moment is, is booming I'd like to say, you know, honestly, it's booming at the moment. There's a lot of fighters in the Northwest. Um, you know, there's a lot of fighters within the UK as a whole. And obviously, we know Katie Taylor and Ireland. Uh, you know, she's the one that's been, I'd say, well publicised most at the moment. Um, she's won a world title in her first year. Um, and then, obviously, close behind her, you've got Tasha Jonas, you've got yourself. Um, Sam Smith from Leeds Sanchal um, Cameron. Cameron Savannah Marshall Savannah Marshall Nicola <coughs> Adams so there's a lot of fighters at the moment that, that are all coming and they're all bursting onto the scene they're not just it's not just in the background either they're actually getting the main stage and, and, and obviously we see that with Katie Taylor's fight in a couple of weeks that yeah. it's, you know, it's, she's headlining an event and I've always I've said it I think about four or five weeks ago uh, maybe before this uh, her in a fight was announced that one day they will put a women's fight as the main event and that, that'll be the day where that I think people's opinions fully change I mean that, that has happened in other countries it's just that it's not happened here yet but it has happened in other countries um, but yeah it's yet to happen here and obviously it will do now with, with Katie Taylor but um, I, I don't know if uh, I don't know if Jane Couch headlined though a few years ago you know and she was part of that yeah she you might be the right main pioneer yeah. for it, but I'm sure she did in, in uh, Fleetwood but um yeah, you know, it's, it has happened in other countries. It's just here it's not happened yet, so uh, but it will. I take it you're going to be the one that wants to get up there as well. Um, to be honest, to, to me, it, it doesn't matter who it is because it's good for the sport as a whole. Yeah. Um, so I'm not so much bothered about women headlining. I'm, I'm more concerned with it being a good level of competition and a good spectacle for people to see because I'm very aware that if there's um, a female fight where... 
it's not good quality. You, the likelihood is you wouldn't have someone headlining who's not good quality anyway, yeah. obviously, the, the, which is the same with the men. But just generally speaking, if there's a women's fight that's not of great standard, people will say women's boxing's rubbish. Whereas when you see a men's fight that's not a good standard, of which we see loads like Yeah, that, yeah, every week. Uh, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> nobody says men's boxing's rubbish. They just say that fight was poor. Because yeah. we've seen enough examples of top quality uh, men's fights, obviously, with, with which to, to counterbalance it. But with women, we haven't yet. So, so yeah, we've got to be careful at the minute that it is booming, and that's fantastic. But we have to make sure that the people that are turning professional are doing it, you know, for the right reasons because they've got a decent yeah. amateur pedigree because they want to go somewhere with it and not just because somebody's blowing smoke in a <laughs> in the proverbial, you know what I mean? Yeah. So and really, the not they're not that's not going to help us. You know, it's, it needs to be quality over quantity at the minute for sure. Well, we were talking about it before we um, we went live on the podcast and started talking <coughs> about you um, that. At the moment, because of the way things are with women's boxing, I've said I don't, I don't think the divisions are that deep, and because of the, the lack of depth at this moment in time, it gives the opportunity for people to fight the best and the best fighting the best now, rather than you know brewing it along for years. And you, you said it before. There's no journey women, so to speak, in the, in the divisions. So yeah, I mean, there are a few. I mean, each division's definitely got a few journey women, but there's not enough to sort of bump up your record do you know what I mean yes you'd struggle to get like 20 fights with journeywomen unless you you know repeatedly fight the same ones um, which we know happens with a few male boxers who never really seem to make the step up they just seem to keep fighting you know so called journeymen yes um, who they're well within the capability of beating for a long long time and whether mentally then it becomes difficult for them to make the step up because that's all they've been doing for ages or whether that's all they really want to do who knows but um it's, a, it's not really possible to do that in the women's game, which I think is it, at the minute is makes it quite exciting because it's not long before you have to step up and take on the challenge of somebody who's, you know, either above your level or same level. You don't really find out till you get in, but you know who's there or thereabouts. So in a way. Like I say, I think that's quite exciting because we're getting a lot of good fights quite quickly. Well, you've kind of nailed it on the head with what you said earlier about, you know, people in the men's division, it's happened for years. Um, you'll get people fighting journeymen, you know, for like 20 fights before they eventually make that step up. And then when, when they make that step up, sometimes you've seen it a lot of the times actually where they get found out. And then you think to yourself, well, maybe if they would have tested themselves a little bit earlier rather than just continuing to go through the motions and not maybe getting out of first, second gear when they're in the ring, they're not really going to know what their potential is. And then when they come up against someone with, you know, potential, that's potentially when they get found out. So it's um, it's good that the, the women's division's the way it is because the best are going to fight the best and it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily think it makes it... I think we have to be careful that because there's fewer of us that there's... You know, I think some people think it makes it easier and it doesn't... You know, at the end of the day, if you're a male boxer in Mayweather's division, it doesn't matter if there's only three of you you're not going to be top because <laughs> it'll always be Mayweather. So, you know, it doesn't matter whether there's 100 people in that division or three, there's only going to be one realistically at the yeah. top, isn't there? And there only has been one at the top for, yeah. for all this time. So to an extent, you know, I, I get it that because there's fewer of us, it could appear like it's a lot easier. But, um, you know, once you get to that, you know, top level, you know, the, the top 10 in the, country, in the world or the top five or whatever, then it's just as difficult. You've still got to beat the best 
to, to earn them belts and you know be, be a, a world title and you know like with Katie Taylor she's progressed rapidly but then so did Lomachenko because yeah. similarly they both had phenomenal amateur careers I mean I mean, it is records ridiculous, isn't it? Whatever, three ninety-seven with one loss, ninety-six and one loss. You know, and he even avenged that loss. You know, and like with with Katie Taylor, I mean, her accolades are ridiculous. You know, all those world titles she won, European titles, Olympic gold medal, and you know, it just goes on and on and on. Like, it's it's amazing. It was just like Lomachenko. So, of course, they're going to be fast tracked. You know, I think his first fight was. For a, for a title, wasn't it? Second against uh, Orlando Salido. Yeah, but his first was like a ten rounder. Or something, yeah, yeah. Oh no, he wasn't. He wasn't thrown in exactly. a four rounder. So, <laughs> it was so a ten rounder. Know, he, um, like I say, it, it can happen in the men's as well. And to be honest, there's, there's a lot of them that could do that straight away. You know, some of these um, GB boxers yeah. who've boxed at the very very top level that you know they, they they can just smash through all these you know average journeymen, obviously because they they've been you know. So to speak, living the professional boxing yes. life for many years. If, especially if they've done a full Olympic cycle, and some of them may have been on the podium potential even prior to that. So some of them for six, seven years might have been on the program, and they get a far better deal than professional boxers do. You know, they get everything: full support with nutrition, physios, the, the lot. You know, so you're talking about top, top level boxers. So if they wanted to, they could just, you know, not not bother with doing. 15 <laughs> fights with journeymen and step straight up but you wouldn't because obviously we understand professional boxing primarily is a business yeah. and so they have to build it up of course, um, yeah. that's what they're doing so that's understandable they also have to build up the rounds and get those in the tank so we understand why but let's be honest it, you know in terms of ability and level they, they wouldn't need to do that you know if it wasn't about business they could go straight into boxing you know a, a higher level but um, but yeah I don't think it makes it easier it's just you get to that top top bunch quicker that's all yeah and what do you think about then like you was t- t- I was just listening to what you were saying there and you were talking about people like Lomachenko uh, and people like Katie Taylor who have had fantastic amateur careers in, in fact you know leg- some might say legendary amateur careers so to speak um, and then you get people that just sort of step straight into the game you know maybe have one or two amateur fights and then just throw themselves straight in you know the division you know what? how would you see that comparing I mean it's a difficult one because I'd say generally speaking I don't think that's great from a women's point of view um, it, it makes me feel a bit unsettled the thought of someone having two amateur fights and then calling themselves a professional. Well, it happens in the men's, doesn't it? You yeah. know, you do get you do get that a lot in the men's, uh, where people they might have five, six, maybe even seven amateur fights, and then you know that's it. They're at the point where right, we'll, we'll turn pro now and we'll go straight in. Um, and if they're talented enough, they will make it. But if they're not, there's a danger that it's going to bring that sort of reputation down, isn't it? Well, it's, for me at the minute, there is a difference between males doing that and, and females because, like I say. You know, if, if there are a few men who do that and they're not that talented, and they've for whatever reason decided to turn pro, everyone will just think that they're not that good. You yeah. know what I mean? And that'll be it. It won't be. They'll just go. Oh, you know, he's, he's not very good, and that's it. Whereas with women, if, particularly if it's the first time they've seen women fight, they will say, "Well, see, they shouldn't be boxing these lot," and it can be really damaging to us. So, I'd prefer not. I'd prefer women to. You know, and men for that matter, but there there are some examples of, of male fighters who've had hardly any amateur experience in the turnover, and they have a long apprenticeship, let's say, yeah. in the pros, and come good. You know, so it it can happen. 
but there's less opportunity I think for women to do that because there's fewer of us in, yeah. in the pro ranks so they're not going to necessarily get the opportunity to be that busy and have that many you know warm up or practice fights or whatever yeah. you know to, to build up so uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd prefer they didn't, to be honest. But um, I think it really does help if you've if you've had a good amateur background. And again, just touching on some of the stuff you're talking about there, like you say, you know, if a, if a woman gets in the ring and you, you kind of feel like you're already up against a bit of a hurdle, not just the opponent in front of you, you're trying to put a performance on because if you don't put some type of performance on, you, you're going to get sort of criticised, criticised, and a lot of sexism comes into it as well. Massively comes into it because, like you said, if if you put crap performance on for whatever reason you have a bad night at the, not suggesting you have a bad night at the uh, at the office but if someone has a bad night at the office yeah. uh, and like you say people go away thinking oh, well, why are these you know why, why are women boxing they start asking themselves and questions without looking into the detail of it uh, do you think that's a big hurdle to overcome mentally as well as well as the fact that you've got to go in there you've got to train for so many weeks you've got to diet for so many weeks you've got to put all that effort in to then get into the ring to try and put that performance on do you feel that's another a hurdle you have to overcome as a fighter yeah I mean I don't whether I'd call it um, a hurdle um, or a privilege I think it's perhaps a bit of both um, as many things are there's blessings and a curse on both sides yeah. of a lot of experiences but you know traditionally uh, the only role that females have had at professional boxing fights is to very odd to me but to put a leotard on high heels and hold a ring card um, I personally think that's ridiculous that we even still have that in the sport I and mean, if you look at football the mascots are kids yeah. I think if we replace them suddenly with women half dressed people would be like well that's a bit weird I mean some people might like it but <laughs> I don't think it looks slightly odd because we're just simply not used to it and just because we've always done that in boxing doesn't mean it's necessarily the best way to do it yeah. I don't have ring card girls I do have kids as mascots and it's been great for us so far because we've been able to give some really deserving you know great kids who love the sport the chance to get a feel for it and see what it's like and hopefully inspire them to want to be the person getting in the ring themselves in the future or you know, whatever other dreams they might have, it hopefully it'll spur them on. But um, yeah, so we're not used to actually seeing women in 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 the ring, although it's always gone on. You know, throughout time, it, it always has. It's gone through phases of being banned and then brought back and yeah. banned again and brought back. And obviously, in most recent times, it was 1996 that the, the the ban was lifted on women's boxing, and we've kind of gone full steam ahead since then. So. I think whilst I am aware that a lot of people will judge the likes of me differently when we're in the ring, that half the people will be like, oh, great, I can't wait to see this. And there'll be some who are like, oh, I don't want to watch this, this will be rubbish. And you're hoping to win them over yeah. or reinforce what they already thought, depending on what side of the fence they're on. But I, th- I think you can't obviously let that be your focus because no, ultimately no. it's the person who's in front of me. And there comes a point where, you know what, like every morning when I get up, I get up early, I go and do my run in the morning. Then I do an honest full day's work where, where I work at, at Powerswood High School in Manchester. I do a full day work at school, go straight to the gym, push myself you know, to my limits mentally and physically where possible in the gym. Uh, I eat right. I, I, you know, I, I just try and dedicate my life to, to this sport. And so there comes a point where somebody sat in a chair deciding what they think of you doesn't actually matter that much yeah. because I know I'm dedicating myself to it I'm doing my very best with the opportunities that I've been given the resources I've been given and the time that I've been given and so you know it comes to a point where you think do you actually matter because the people that I'm doing this for are 
little girls who were like me who didn't have I didn't have a role model to look up to at all and the whole time that I was doing football and boxing as a little girl I got called loads of names like shim female boy you know which I get that it's funny to some people but not when it's directed it's, you know what to be fair it still, <coughs> it still goes on even Absolutely. at this day and age and it, you know I felt like a weirdo I was constantly asking myself what's up with me what's wrong with me why do I want to be a boy I didn't want to be a boy I just wanted to do football and boxing yeah. and there were no role models for me and now if the likes of me and the other women we've mentioned can be role models for those little girls who like boxing or whatever they like that's not traditionally for <clears throat> for girls, so to speak, then then that's great. So that's who I want to reach out to and also anybody else can be inspired, you know, by things that they've perhaps not, you know, if it's a boy who wanted to do a traditionally female thing, you know, doesn't matter to yeah. me. Inspiring people's my greatest privilege as an athlete and a human being, really. So whoever you can inspire, that's who you're really doing it for. So you kind of have to forget the people who have negative thoughts. Hope you can win them over, but if you can't, then it is what it is. I think in this day and age that we're in as well, um, although some of that stuff still goes on, um, people are a lot more acceptance of change and, and changing the culture as well. As, as we've seen, you see, you've, 20 years ago, I was talking to Miss about it last night, 20 years ago, how things were culturally so different to what they are now. And like you said, you know, women's, fo- women's football a couple of years ago, with the World Cup with the women and it was just you know the following well, the ban of football wasn't lifted till 1971 and now we've just come third in the World Cup women weren't allowed to be members of Lords Cricket until 1991 we've now won the Ashes twice rugby's the same we've won the Rugby World Cup boxing ban lifted in 1996 now we've had gold medalists at the Commonwealth at the Olympics women weren't allowed to run more than 200 metres at one time the marathon was a complete no-no because according to science we they said we'd die if we ran that distance. Um, 1967 at the Boston Marathon, they dragged Catherine Switzer off the track because they were, you know, they were so outraged by a woman even thinking yeah. she could do it. This year at the Boston Marathon, nearly 12,000 women took part. Catherine Switzer was one of them, by the way, who completed the marathon at age 70, and you know, in sort of recognition of what she's represented for women in the marathon, they, they retired her number. So if you think, you know. To people now saying that women weren't allowed to run more than 200 metres at one time, people would think, wow, that's ridiculous. But back then, people thought that was fact, you know, that it was the thought of women running more than that distance yeah. was horrendous, you know, and outrageous. And so it's only the same now. To some people, the thought of women boxing is like, oh my God, it's, you know, and so many people say to me, I don't agree with women boxing. I don't understand how you can not agree with the sport. I understand how you can not agree with, you know, a, a political ideology yeah. or a religion or whatever or an opinion, but not agreeing with a, a person doing a sport is, is odd to me. And I think if you replaced women with any other group of people, so if you said, I don't like watching people of colour swim, people would say, you can't say that. Yeah. You know, or if they said, I don't like watching gay people play basketball or whatever, I don't like watching people in wheelchairs play rugby, people would say, you shouldn't say that. Yet when it comes to women, we're kind of allowed everything's everything goes so we can say I don't like women doing that I don't like women doing this we're just doing a sport that's all yeah. and it's just our perception of women that needs to change and yeah. will no, because agree. you know just like with running it was nothing to do with science we weren't going to die if we did a marathon clearly it was perceptions and once those perceptions were challenged and overcome then it became accepted and I think uh, well, I know the same will happen with boxing. It's been a it's been a bit of a historical thing, though, hasn't it? When you look at look, you just mentioned a few events over history there, but it's always been that way. Look at the way people had to fight, women had to fight the, for the right to vote, and look at what that you know that entailed. It sort of started 
way back when and that's one of the first first major events I can you know rack in my brains right now where I can think of the suffragettes and I can think of the historical aspects of that and then you see how much of a cultural change it's had going over the time and, and you've you've nailed it on the head obviously people's perception uh, as, as always you know it's, it, I don't know where it comes from. I really don't know where it comes from. It, yeah, whether it's uh, a, a male thing objectifying women over the years, and I, I, I do genuinely believe that's a lot of it. Um, because if, again, if you go back through the historical times, I'm turning the podcast into a history lesson. But if you genuinely go back over his, historical times, uh, the women had to stay at home, where the men had to go to work. That's not like that now. No, you I know what I mean. You know, I know. No, I think it's it's simplifies it too much, and it's a bit unfair to say it is. A male thing because you know one of the the real uh, benefits that I've had from being a female in two male-dominated sports, football and boxing, is that I've been exposed to some of the most amazing male role models you could wish for in in coaches. Uh, obviously, I've got some in my family, my dad and my granddad, but um, my uncles and stuff and, and cousins and so on. But certainly outside of that, you know, my coaches and. Yeah staff that I've that I've had you know sort of physios nutritionists you, you you name it you know right across the board in in sport I've had some amazing male role models who've been fantastic mentors unbelievably supportive and the women's sporting movement if you like would not be where it is without those male influences so I don't obviously the male female thing is part of it and we do have this thing where we for some reason value men more highly certainly in the sporting arena Um and we we think it's you know the male version of sports better and you know generally speaking yeah. that is. Um, however, a lot of men, are massive sports of, of uh, fans of sport in general, whether it's male or female, yeah. and I get loads and loads of support from from males. And you know, there's equally as many women who don't like women boxing as there are men. So I think it's just perceptions in general. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily we need to change the perceptions of men because that's not been my experience. There's loads of men who are really, really supportive and a lot of women who are not. So I think it's more a matter of just changing perceptions full stop as opposed to changing the perceptions of one gender. Yeah, well I agree. I agree with everything you're saying. We're all part of it, you know, we're all you know, I used to think I used to say things like, Oh stop being a girl you know, in, in a negative, yeah, yeah. it wasn't until I started to actually ask myself, wait a minute, what am I actually saying there? What am I teaching my little nieces by saying that? That it's not okay to be a girl and that we're rubbish at everything. And now I t- when I go and do talks in schools and stuff, I, I raise that question and ask people to question the language that they use and challenge it. And then, you know, if they feel it's not right, then change it. But because I was brought up like that, I used to, and I used to also say, oh yeah, I'm a tomboy. I don't say that anymore. And I see a lot of people now uh, who I haven't seen in a while or whatever and they'll say, oh, you're still doing your boxing? And I say, yeah, and they go, oh, you've always been a right tomboy. And now I'll say, actually, I'm not, I'm an athlete, because I have to be sure of, of, of what labels I want to be used. Yeah. And, you know, calling someone a tomboy who's represented the country in two sports isn't really right. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. not a tomboy, I am an athlete, and I have to sort of, you know, make that clear, because it's we need to get rid of using tomboy as a way to describe talented young female athletes, because then it diminishes your achievements, really, and pigeonholes you a bit. So it's all things like that. And I used to use that language, because I'm not... Just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I'm exempt from sexism. I'm, I'm exposed to it as well. Yeah. And my little niece, now who's seven, will already be saying stuff like, that's for boys, that's for girls. And I'll challenge it now and say, why? And it's just because we don't think about it. It's yeah. just a given. So, yeah, I don't think it's male or female. It's, we're all, you know, we're not even, we don't even know we're exposed to it at times until you question it in yourself. So, 
Uh, but yeah, I've got lo- loads and loads of males who are dead, dead supportive, and that's a great thing. You, well, you have, I've seen it, and that, that's, that's, you know, that, that for me, that sort of turns the tide over to, to, to where you are now, because you look at um, Katie Taylor, uh, obviously these, I'm talking to the people that are getting the, the publicity through like your matchroom platforms, which is in particular Tasha Jonas uh, and Katie Taylor are on Matchroom and obviously Matchroom are on Sky and and, and a lot of the fight shows are on Sky Uh, so they're getting a massive platform to do it on now Um, so it's it's really good that people are starting to to get that level of support now because I've been to I've been to um Tasha Jonas's fight at Liverpool recently and I went there and I was amazed and I watched the performance and I was like wow you know, it blew me away, and I was just like, "Wow, how can anybody sit there and honestly say you don't like women's boxing?" You know, because they did give as much as anybody else, as anybody else, I guess, in that gym and says in the ropes. Sometimes in the amateurs, you can't even tell. Like when they have their, head, you know, when they, everyone used to have head guards on in the amateurs. Sometimes even myself, I'd be at some amateur bouts, and I'd be like, "Is that males or females?" You know, particularly when they're yeah, younger, yeah. you can't really tell the difference. You know what I mean? Until they get a bit older, and then obviously there's some. You know, biological differences that you can usually tell, but sometimes you can't. You know, like I say, particularly at the schoolgirls and schoolboys yeah. level, um, sometimes from a distance you, you can't even tell who's the, who the girls and the boys are because they're just boxers at the end of the day and they're, they're doing the thing and windmilling at nine, 90 miles an hour, you know, um, trying to win or whatever. So, yeah, I don't think you can always tell, but one of the things that's important about, you know, when we look at Katie Taylor and Natasha with Matchroom, Chantel Cameron former GB boxer who's signed with McGuigan and Savannah Marshall who's signed with Mayweather out in Vegas um, they were um, Olympians other than Chantelle who didn't quite qualify sadly for Rio but the others and Nicola obviously who signed with Frank Warren yeah. they've all had that Olympic platform yes. now they were able to have that one because obviously they're, they're exceptional boxers obviously I'm not taking that away but because that opportunity was there in their weight categories and that's something that we desperately need to to change. Um, at the moment, there are still only three Olympic weight categories for women: three at the Commonwealth Games and three at the European Games. Uh, sorry, five at the European Games, as opposed to ten for men. So that's a massive disparity in opportunity. I was really disappointed that after the success of the three women's weights at, at Rio at London, yeah. that we didn't have more for Rio as we were promised. And they said, if it goes well, we'll add more. It couldn't have really gone any better. No and they didn't add more and they still haven't confirmed it now and they were saying it's because there might be too many athletes or something and then they went and added rock climbing skateboarding and whatever else surfing and stuff and you're thinking well you know come on um, so yeah that, that's something else that needs to happen and that's why the likes of me and Sam Smith we're keen Nina Bradley Lauren Johnson there's a few others now yeah. who are really keen to try and pave a way for girls who necessarily haven't had that Olympic opportunity because if you're not Olympic weight you can't get a fully funded place on GB boxing you have to work a full time job as well and it's very difficult to get that platform then to have a yeah. you know to get a good opportunity in the pros so we're literally doing it from the bottom up and I want to be able to show other girls who are perhaps not an Olympic weight there is a pathway for you into professional boxing uh, to all the way up to the top hopefully uh, that you can follow because bef- bef- before I did this there wasn't really a pathway I didn't know who to ask. I didn't know... You know, it is slightly different as a female, but there are promoters and managers who won't promote and manage women, so you don't know exactly who to go to. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are different. Like, I didn't realise we had to have a pregnancy test before every fight. A bit ridiculous, but we have to. Um, 
they don't in sports like rugby where arguably they get just as many uh, you know big hits but yeah. wh- whatever it is what it is you don't do that in every country but we do in Britain um, so yeah there's a lot of things that are different um, that I didn't know who to go to and I want to be that person that when this next generation of young boxers I mean, we've just had two in the youth world championship finals um, I mean we've got some incredible talent yeah, coming through I mean I see them obviously by having involvement with England and stuff and I want them to have a pathway into professional boxing if they want it and that's what paving the way is about that's my, my motto if you like that I have on my kit and stuff and that I live by because part of this is a personal challenge for me and I want to obviously achieve my dreams in boxing like anybody but I also genuinely want to pave the way for others in, in this sport and, and that's something that's important to me as well it's really good to hear you talk about it that way because obviously, um, like you said, if you're not if you've not got that opportunity to go in one of the three weight categories and go down the Olympic route, you know if you if you want to be a professional boxer and you want to get to that world title level, what other way are you going to do it? This is the way you're going to do it because people like yourself are paving the way uh, for people that are, you know schoolgirls that are looking up and going, I, I, I quite fancy that, you know, I, I want to do that, and they go in the gym and they train, um, and, and then you think to yourself, wow, look at these, they're amazing. Uh, Kieran's got Keisha Barron at yeah. his gym and. She She's an English national champion. That's right. And again, I've seen her in the gym and I've seen her in his live workouts because I've been there. And every time you look on the Facebook live videos and you see the comments, they're not about the men. They're about the women. Mm. They're about they're about like the little girls like Acacia and the people that are coming up. And you, you, There's some great ones coming through. And I get a lot of messages now, and like we talked about before, you know, about whether it's a hurdle, the negativity it yeah. is. And it does get you down some days, you know, when you're working that hard and people say these, what I think are quite ridiculous comments or just nasty comments. But then, you know, having said that, the men get it as well. You know, you can get uh, a video of someone doing pads on Box Nation, 50% of people say, wow, that's brilliant, and the other 50 completely slate them and yes, go, such a true. video, knock you out. Such, you know, see, the, the men get it equally. It's just that it's it doesn't tend to be about their gender, yeah. obviously, um, which is the annoying thing for me because that's something I, I can't change and wouldn't want to. Um, I mean, I'm quite happy being a woman, but... Um, I think, uh, you know, on the side of the negative stuff, I do have the privilege of getting a lot of messages from parents whose little girls have really wanted to box but felt like they shouldn't or someone has said that's for boys or whatever and they say, oh, they've, you know, they've come to watch you fight or they've watched some videos online or whatever and now they're going to a gym. And we've had a couple of them down actually watching my training sessions because Blaine, my coach, is dead good like, you know, he'll let them yeah. come in and watch and he knows that's the key part of what I'm trying to do. And he's brilliant like that and you know he welcomes them as well and they come in and meet my teammates and stuff and they watch a session so I have the privilege of seeing that this is actually working yeah. you know that it is paving the way it is changing perceptions and it is inspiring those little girls who were sat watching and, and, and stuff like that and hopefully looking up to what we're doing so um, you know when you think of that bit it, it, it kind of just one of those messages or one of those like it, like someone sent me a thing the other day it's our wife of our local MP actually who said that her little girl had gone to um, school and they had to do a writing exercise and they had to write about a, a real life hero and she wrote about me I mean that's do you know what I mean yeah. that, that's just unbelievable you can't really put that into words yeah, can you you could have like a thousand negative comments yeah. and that it wouldn't come close to being what that means to me so um, you know that, that's that's where 
that's where it matters really that's what's important I've seen your social media and obviously I follow it and I see some of the stuff you're doing and I see that you, you're giving talks at schools and I think wow she's she's very busy she's always out she's always giving these talks to people and obviously inspiring the, the, the next generation um, of, of fighters to come through whether that be young lads or whether that be young girls coming through they're all looking up to you and thinking wow this is what she's achieving you know maybe I can go and achieve that and, and I think even if it's not fighting I think part of my message when I go into schools is that I, I didn't feel okay with myself as a kid because I was told I wasn't okay you know and the amount of times I sat there I was a bit naughty at school but the amount of times that I sat with a member of staff he'd say to me are you confused about who you are are you confused about your sexuality are you confused about your gender da, 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 da. I wasn't confused about anything I, I, I knew I wasn't even thinking about sex really at the time who I liked and who I didn't I was just bothered about sport as it happens I am heterosexual you know a lot of people assume I'm gay just because of box which is also a bit ridiculous because all sorts do all sorts you know whatever your sexuality is doesn't influence your sport and vice versa but anyway I do get questioned about that a lot which is you know I'm not particularly bothered but um uh, I don't know if it bothers my boyfriend or not, but it doesn't bother me. But, um, yeah, you know, I got questioned about a lot of that stuff and I did think they'd say, do you want to be a boy? You know, members of staff at school, right. hopefully that doesn't go on anymore. But, and like I say, the kids would call me boy and shim and all that. And I spent so much time thinking, what's wrong with me? What is up with me? Which I think you can do as a teenager anyway yeah, when you're growing yeah, up. Exactly. It's hard enough as it is, but I definitely spent a lot of time thinking some, some up with me. And it took me a long time to, to realise there was nothing wrong with me. I was just a girl who liked so-called boy sports that was all um, and I never wanted to be a boy why would I want to be an ordinary boy when I was in, in some respects an extraordinary girl yeah. and what I was doing was different so I think that message can a lot of people can relate to where not necessarily about being a female boxer but you know being where they didn't fit in yeah. either in their own families or their own social group or whatever you know there's a lot of people who've uh, felt like that at some time in their life and also the bit about overcoming adversity because last year I was getting ready for the World and European Championships and this is where platform performance came in a lot um, and I was in full training it was everything I thought about because for me the World and European Championships were my Olympics because yeah. that didn't exist you know and, and ultimately my European medal qualified me for the European Games and I, you know, I would have gone to the Commonwealths but they didn't those my weight categories didn't exist so it was, it was you know devastating to have got the European silver medal and it not lead to anything else do you know yeah, what I mean yeah yeah so for that two years, all I've been working towards was getting back to the Worlds and European Championships to win another medal. And then I got an injury, and it should have been a straightforward four-week surgery. And unfortunately, they caused me a serious uh, chemical burn all over my left leg. Um, so I mean, it was it was agony, you know, physically, but also it took a very very long time to heal, and ultimately meant that I missed the World and the European yeah. Championships. I didn't even know if I was going to box again. I mean, I put twenty kilos on my muscle had completely deteriorated in my left leg I had that burn that was taking a real long time to heal it kept getting infected it was just horrendous and I didn't know if I was going to box again um, and that's where platform performance really helped me with my rehab getting that muscle back in my leg and getting back to me boxing really so even that part of the story you know and then going to America at 22 with 200 quid in my pocket and one suitcase not knowing anyone that was a massive life experience yeah. too and that was about just taking opportunities and going for it so I think sport the beauty of it is that the, the things you learn and the experiences you have can apply to anything else in life so I think people can relate to those things whether they're into sport or not so those are some of the messages that I try and give over in the talks about you know overcoming adversity breaking your goals down yeah. you know um, and and then ultimately the biggest most important thing to me of all is using what you've got to help others 
that's a, a key part of who I am really and uh, what I'm about so I, I try and since I love sport I try and use that like last year when I went to Calais did a week of sport with the kids at refugee camp sport's my if I could play guitar I'd do music with people <laughs> but I, I'm rubbish so um, you know I try and use sport as a way to you know a tool to, to positively impact people so that's part of the message too so it's, it goes way beyond sport and so it should and then hopefully connect, connect with people and inspire them in their own little bubble and whatever their passions are so let's move on um, we've talked about a lot about you and your background into boxing about women's boxing women's boxing in general and the division let's let's focus solely on, on you and your career where it is at the moment so you've got your next fight coming up uh, 16th of December yep. at Oldham Leisure Centre yep. um, Black Flash Promotions yeah Black Flash Promotions it's going to be a, a good show um, have you got an opponent named for that yet? No, um, we've got Steve Finesse, who's a brilliant matchmaker, working on it at the minute. I think it's a difficult time of year, this, because a lot of people have either in two two ways, it seems. They've either settled now for Christmas yep. and they're, they're on the wind down, or they're just starting to get ready for the fights that they're already lined up in January. Because obviously, although it seems like they're after, after Christmas seems miles away, but in boxing terms, it's not. No. This is when you'd be starting now yeah. for January. So, yeah, I think a lot of people are in one of those situations so um, uh, yeah we, we, we're just still waiting on it we've had, got a couple of names that have come in over the last couple of days who we're, we're looking at and so hopefully we'll have one sorted by uh, this week yeah it'll be good I'm, I'm obviously I'm going to go to that one there's two shows on in that on, on that night in particular but I'm coming to that particular show because uh, I've not had the uh, pleasure of coming watching your box live yet so that'll be my first one um, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to going and, and seeing you because obviously I've seen a few I've seen Sam Smith the other week I've seen Natasha Jonas now and, and I, I you know I've seen Katie Taylor on the telly I've never seen her live myself yet but again I'm starting to I've never not bought into women's boxing because I've just never been exposed to it. And that's like it goes back to the conversations we've had earlier about the publicity side of things and, and the exposure starting to come through now. And, I, and, and I'm starting to think, well, you know what, there's, there's fighters like yourself that I'm following their journey now and I'm, in, I'm enjoying following the journey as, as we're going along. And it's, you know, it's exciting to see where, where you're all going to go and, and what level you're going to get and who's going to fight who. And, you know, especially domestically as well, you know, who, who's going to end up fighting who. And it excites well, that, me. That's the, it's interesting you said that because that's the big thing for me next year is to. Um, I, I really, really uh, want to contest for a British title um, because I want that to be a pathway for other girls. Because just like with the males, there will eventually be a lot of girls coming through who, who won't be able to contest the world title. You know, a lot of men who start out know that realistically they're never going to be competing for a world title. But they could get a regional title or an English title yeah. or whatever, which is still fantastic. You know, they're huge Absolutely, achievements. Yeah. Um, just like in the amateurs. There's a lot who are never going to, you know, become an Olympic gold medalist. I mean, the very, very few, you know, percentage-wise, it's of doing that or even getting a medal for the country. But they might be able to win either a regional amateur title or an ABA title, which again is still a massive, massive thing. Of course, it is. Yeah. So everybody's got different goals, and I think it's important for some of the young girls coming through to know that if if they're not going to be able to perhaps get a world title then there could be a British title that they could aspire to and even just that it that it exists because I, you know, I grew up with the ABA title being a big, big thing because my dad had won one. He'd won it at Wembley back in the day when the ABAs was everybody. Yeah. It, was, it was all of Britain. Um, and he, he was the last man to beat Terry Marsh as it happens to, in 1979 to win his, uh, his ABA title. And I, I remember when I used to go to all the shows, people saying, oh, your dad, when he won his ABA title, I was there or watched it or whatever. 
and so it was a big big thing to me and I always wanted to win an ABA title always and when I did in 2015 win the uh, senior like A class one me and my dad became the first father and daughter ever to both win senior ABA titles so it was that bit more special so that was always special but also the Lonsdale belt yes um, I grew up as a, you know just a real boxing fan really and as, as a British boxing fan it is a bit like our FA Cup for football yeah, isn't absolutely. it it's, it's, yeah, it's prestigious yeah the Lonsdale belt is, is the one you know and at the moment the belt itself doesn't exist for women so for us to contest one it would mean having one made yeah. which would truly be you know paving the way that, that I want there to be a belt there for girls coming through after me you know, uh, I don't want them to have to go through this business of, you know, trying to convince anybody to make a belt that we're worth making a belt for. Hopefully, we won't have to do that, and the board will be see it as a, a great thing that women now want to contest for our most prestigious domestic belt. I think, you know, whether that'll be the the view, I don't know. I've yet to find out, but um, let's hope it is. Either way, I want that belt to be there for others in the in the future to contest for. There is a, a girl at my weight in London and we're on a pretty similar path. We're on definitely on a collision course. Um, we've boxed a lot of the same people. Um we're round about the, the same uh you know in our records yeah. and stuff. Um so yeah, I think next year that's something that could happen and I really want to make the most of that in terms of using that as a platform to really inspire as many people as possible and let people know we're here and that, that they can do it too. It, like going back to the British title uh, aspect of it, what you were talking about, um, if 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 it's possible, and you know the board sanctions something that like that, and someone you know we get a, a lot of Lonsdale belt made for women, you know it'd be amazing. <laughs> it'd be, well, yeah, it'd be amazing. It's difficult, you know, is that um, is, uh, is is what they'll do for the rounds because at the minute it's ten twos for a world title. Yeah. Now the reason that that uh, Solomon who, who runs the WBC, yeah. uh, which is arguably the one yes. you know the world yes. title I know you're not allowed to say that but it is like the one that everyone considers the, yeah it is the big one yeah. the green belt but um, you know at the end of the day um, the, the, a lot of a lot of the, he says that the research shows that women are more susceptible to concussion and that the effects last longer I mean I haven't seen that research personally but that's what he's saying um, so he's saying that's why 10 twos is more appropriate for women I mean I know they have less sets in tennis and there's some sports where there are differences and um, I'm not grumbling about that that much myself, to be honest. If it's twos, it's threes. I'll do whatever. I mean, yeah. most boxers will. Um, at, at the, when I won my European silver, it was four twos then for women. Now it's three threes. As a boxer, you'll just do whatever that that governing body says. Yeah. You know, if they say you've got to four, fight four twos for a European final, you will. If they say right now you've got to do three threes, you will. I mean, I, we, we don't care. It's now for the governing bodies to decide what's what. Now, the British title, whether they'd make that be 12 threes like the men, it would be odd to contest a, a domestic title over 12 threes and a world title over 10 twos. Yeah. It's not actually us that are causing that problem. You know, female boxers aren't necessarily saying, we want this and that, and, you know, we want these special rounds and everything. We're not. It's uh, the governing bodies that are stipulating yeah. that, and we just go along with it. So it's kind of, it tends to be more them that get the, the knickers in a twist, so to speak, <laughs> and say, oh, what are we going to do with these lot? You know, we're just, we're just people who box, so just they just need to make their mind up what they want us to do, and we'll, we'll do that. Well, you, you, somewhere along the line in this conversation, you've mentioned about um, the science side of things, and I remember you talking about it a bit earlier on. Um, someone comes along and says, no, you know, women can't do this amount of rounds because, it, you know, it's proven that it lasts longer, but no, you know... Where, where is that information you know I, I, could the British Boxing Board of Control 
you know, just put it in there. Would they have to use that? We don't know, but again, science changes all the time, and what was pertinent ten years ago is no longer pertinent now and has changed. So to me, you know, I, I don't believe that's a reason for that to happen unless there's actually some concrete evidence and a case study of an example of a female fighter that that might, might something might have happened to you know touch wood that hasn't happened to anybody but the thing is if 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 there's no actual real evidence there of that what's what's to say the boxing board of control uh, and the wbc and the other governing bodies uh, across the world can uh, cannot make it into a sort of set parameters you yeah. know like you say you've got 10 twos for the world uh, they could make it eight twos for the british you know something of that nature they could they, but we're going off one person's piece of evidence which again it's uh, it, it, it feels a bit for, for me I don't know it probably feels frustrating for you but it feels frustrating for me to hear that, that that there's one particular piece of scientific research that says supposedly this is what's going to happen if, if a woman goes in and boxes to 12 threes for example yeah um, I mean to be honest I, I've, got, I've got to say I know that a lot of women who box are dead keen on having three minute rounds some of them I mean you can ask for it you can ask the, the any board that you want three minute rounds and they will sanction it um, Leila McCart has done it for years in Vegas uh, Nicola Adams did it over here she said she was the first to do it but she definitely wasn't <laughs> a lot of women have been doing it for years and that's up to them I mean I'm not massively bothered to be honest whether it's twos or threes because I'm not in this to be you know equal to men necessarily yeah, I just yeah, want yeah. us to have the best opportunities yeah. and like I say I don't want ten weight categories at the Olympics just to be equal to men I want 10 because it gives more opportunities yes, exactly. to the boxers that's, 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 the point. that's it really yeah. you know and they have said that if they, if they take the women's weight categories up to 5 in the Olympics they have to get rid of 2 for the men I don't want that either I don't want 5 each so it's let's all be equal yeah. I want 10 each so it's the most opportunities for all athletes regardless of gender so I'm not necessarily about banging on about stuff just to be equal to men yeah. because uh, uh, for me it's more about just me being the best that I can be in, in my sport but I know to some women it's dead important and they really want three minute rounds that's up to them for me personally so long as I get the chance to contest things like the Lonsdale belt you know uh, and you know WBC titles and all of that then whatever the governing bodies say we've got to do for it we'll do and that, that's just it because it, to be honest you can't fight every single battle no you can't you're and right like, we haven't requested three minute rounds because me and my coach have discussed this a lot we do train three minute rounds the only thing we do two minutes is sparring everything else we do three minute rounds in the gym but we don't um, we've not requested threes because if ultimately we do want to contest for world titles and why do threes when they're going to be at twos yes. we want to prepare for you know the, the ultimate dream which is you know world titles but like I say some are going to say twos some are going to say threes so it's because that's something that's out of my control um, I don't see it as something to pick a battle with um, now what could be in my control is pushing for the right to contest yes. for a British title and that could make a difference to a lot of other women in the future so yes 100% I'm going to push for that pushing for twos or threes ultimately they're going to decide anyway so I feel yeah. like it's a bit of a waste of manager and I'll just train for whatever and do whatever it takes to get those titles really the thing is when you're training you, like you say when you know what you're training for you've got that set goal in your mind anyway yeah so they're both so- hard anyway like two minute <laughs> rounds you know when you've been training threes for ages you do twos you're knackered because it's just the pace is completely different yeah. And then you change to threes and it just feels like it lasts forever. And then you go back to twos and you're just like, oh my God, it's manic and really fast. So 
it's just a sport that's never easy no matter how many minutes you do I think you know most people probably agree with that that there's a difference between even though it's only a minute there's a difference between the pace and the intensity and all that um, just like men's have done four twos and three threes women have done four twos and three threes and probably all boxers will say the same the pace of one is different to the other and they, they both present their own challenges and yet at the end of the day you're being punched in the face so <laughs> no matter how long it's fought it's bloody hard yeah. so <laughs> you still have to train to your, to your limits anyway well it's funny you should uh, talk about that because um, when I was doing um, Mark and Steve doing the platform performance uh, podcast with them a couple of weeks ago <laughs> and they mentioned you a few times and one, there was one particular um, did they now <laughs> yeah there's one particular um, uh, story well, he didn't really tell me the story because I think he might have been um, he, he didn't want to I think it goes something along the lines of uh, Mark sparred with you and it sounded like he got a hand it, his house handed to him a little bit on a plate um, That that's the way he made it out it was pretty funny because he said I, I won't tell you how that one went <laughs> no Mark's uh, Mark's obviously a lot, a lot heavier than me Um not, not, not calling him. <laughs> not, well, he was mildly obese last year, to be fair to him, but he's lost loads of weight now, and he's on his way to a comeback, which is fantastic. Mark's a, Mark's a good boxer. Um, but prior to the European Championships, because it was in June, everybody had pretty much finished for the season, and so there was hardly anyone left to spar with in our gym, so Mark was my main sparring partner in the build-up to the Europeans, and I went and got a silver medal, so it obviously did the trick. But um, yeah, he was a lot heavier, so I had to... Be careful, because one slip up, that was it. I got, you know, I got it with one of his punches. It was, uh, you know, a bit of a head wobbler. But uh, no, Max, Max, a good boxer, and we, we really enjoyed uh, sparring together and stuff. Because he's, you know, he's, he's technically good and everything. So yeah. I've done a lot of sparring with Steve as well. But he's just long, so he's just dead annoying to spar with. He's got like long arms and he's all tall and that. From, yeah, he's yeah, a right pain. But uh, the lovely guys and. Um, uh, you know, it's great that they've, you know, sponsored Granddad's gym. That's dead yeah, nice. I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that. Yesterday, nice connection actually. to having that, but they're, they're great lads, really good lads. And it'd be great if Mark can make his comeback. Cause he'll have. Uh, I said to him, he'd pr- probably be like an amateur boxer with about forty professional boxers there supporting <laughs> you because he's done the strength and conditioning for them all and be like uh, the who's who of Northwest boxers yeah. cheering him on. But uh, no, it'd be great if he can if he can get back in the ring and that because he's uh, he had some good fights like in the amateurs, you know. So it'd be great to see him make a comeback but uh, I mean there's loads of like funny stories with, with Grandad and stuff in boxing and, you know because of um, I remember from Jimmy Egan's gym they brought one of their schoolboys down once and he was supposed to be boxing with one of our lads and it, when he got there Grandad said oh he's ill he's not been able to come and he said oh what's he going to do now he's got his you know he's, he's had the ABA schoolboys coming up and uh, he said what about him and I was on the bag in the corner and I'd just been doing a bit of sparring with my dad so I had my head guard on and that I was only like 10 or 11 or what I don't know how old I was it was about that and um, I had my head guard on so you couldn't really tell yeah, if it was yeah. a boy or a girl and Grandad said just give me a minute and he sort of came over and he went do you want to spar and I was like yeah because it was like the closest thing I got to fighting I said right it was just one thing and I went what and he went you'd have to pretend you're a boy <laughs> so I like went right okay so I kind of like stuck my chest out and did this like 10 men walk across the gym sort of thinking right I've got to present him a boy and got in there and um I did uh, a right good little tear up with this kid. I mean, we were both, you know, dead young, so yeah. mostly like windmilling and throwing a million shots a minute or whatever. But uh, he ended up with a nosebleed, and um, ultimately I did a bit better than him or whatever, and he got out. And uh, like Egan's came up to Grandad and said, like, Whoa, who's that lad? And he went, That lad's my granddaughter. <laughs> it's Eddie Copeland's daughter. And he was like, Oh, bloody hell, don't tell him or whatever. But uh, my granddad's a, a real character. I mean, 
He's, I remember one time when we were in the ABAs and him and my dad used to do my corner and we get in the ring, right, and um, I'm waiting for Grandad because he had my gum shield. I said to Dad, where's Grandad now? He's got my gum shield and, like, the referee's checking us over and we're about to start. I'm saying, where is he? Anyway, we spot him in the other corner and he'd obviously got a bit confused and was holding the gum shield up for this other boxer so my dad's shouting him, Roy, Roy, come over, come over. So in the end I had to walk over and went, Grandad, we're in the other corner. What? I said, we're in the other bloody corner, get over here. So he comes round. And he goes, oh, sorry, I got confused. And I went, Grandad, she's Asian. <laughs> no, I won't oh, mind God. if she did. You know, we're not even the same skin colour. And he was got, he just stood there all day. I don't know how he thought that was me, but bloody hell. So, um, but he is, he's, he's, a, he's a real character. He's, he's been shouting instructions in the corner and his teeth have flew out and he's <laughs> shoved him back in and carried on. He's all sorts of things. He's just a, a very funny character. But boxing's full of those yeah. colourful characters. I mean, it's a fantastic sport to be part of, um, to grow up around, you know, the banter's unbelievable and to grow up around some of these people has just been brilliant for me because I was around them all, going to all the shows as a kid and yeah. now obviously I know them as adults and that there is some real uh, <laughs> real characters who just make it a great sport to be part of it's brilliant have you been in the um, have you been in the gym while Tyson's been here at all well they're in in the day when I'm at work so he's, he's one particular character that everybody's yeah, talking about at the moment aren't they yeah, yeah of course he is but yeah I've not been here in the day because um, I'm, I'm always out, at yeah. work yeah, yeah so we, we actually come in at the night me uh, my teammate uh, Sharpie and then Brad Ray who's still an amateur but he's a uh, trained by Blaine as well we're all in at night but we've got a fantastic like team chemistry it's just brilliant um, it's really really good I mean nobody's safe <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah um, we, we have a, a dead good banter but yeah I know he's been in the day and it, it's been uh, an interesting time uh, for everyone yeah yeah I can imagine there's been a lot of publicity over here at Hatton's Gym hasn't there in the past two weeks because obviously the stuff going on with him and then you know signing a new deal with MTK moving Absolutely, away yeah, and getting back in training and all that yeah. it'd be great if it comes back because yeah. it's going to be exciting for the um, the heavyweight division and obviously you know him and AJ is the, the what everybody's desperate to see and I, I think it's been a while really since we've had a domestic fight that will be that big you know probably Frotch and Groves really because yeah, um, I mean that was um, that was massive and that that was the week we went to the Europeans the, the rematch of Frotch and Groves and Frotch was in the gym at GB because of course Rob McCracken was his coach and I remember walking into the changing rooms and he was checking his weight and I didn't really know what to say and I was like oh yeah <laughs> and Frotch was like are you alright and I said uh, are you excited <laughs> you know when you're thinking as you're saying it, what, what you're on about you idiot but he was dead nice and he was like I'm more I wouldn't say I was excited I just feel a massive amount of pressure uh, and I know I can do it I just want to get the job done now and I remember thinking wow that was a dead interesting insight into someone's psychology bef- yeah. just before a huge fight like that and um, he said what are you doing so I said oh, I'm getting ready for the Europeans and I said I've never it's my first major, you know, and um, I had a couple of weeks off work to get ready for it and everything, and he, he was brilliant. He was, honestly, considering he was a few days away from that massive, massive fight, they took the time to sort of say they wouldn't have picked you if they didn't think you were capable of doing something, so you believe in yourself. Um, and he said, don't do anything different to what you normally do. Box the way you normally box. And I really took it on board, his advice, to be honest, and it stayed in my mind that I'm here for a reason, yeah. you know, and, and everything, and... They wouldn't have picked me if they didn't think I was good enough. And it, it was well helpful, you know. And the night before the draw was their fight. And the only place we could get a signal was in my bathroom, in, our, in the <laughs> hotel room. So we had this little iPad um, on some dodgy live stream in Romania. In this, And the whole of us, the GB team, were packed into this little bathroom. And the coaches had said, 
Now, we know there's a little fight on tonight <laughs> who you're all going to want to watch, but it's too late, you can't watch it, you need to go to bed. So we're like, yeah, of course. Then we're all crammed in this bathroom, and of course, we landed that shot, didn't he? Yeah. Knocked him out. And we're all going crazy in this bathroom. Yeah, come on, go. We all wanted Frotch to win because we knew him because he'd been around GB and that. So we were on it, we were a team Frotch, really, and we were all cheering. And the next morning, they were like, we heard a lot of cheering from your, um, we were like, oh, the, the Turkish, like, massive Frotch fans, you know, they were sat up watching it, and they were like, yeah, all right. But uh, I think it was good that we stayed up to watch it. We weren't like the middle of the night. Yeah, no, it was just wasn't, a bit yeah, late. You know, we're only an hour ahead it? or whatever in Romania. But I think actually more than anything, it motivated us because the next day when the draw came out, we're all like, right, <laughs> we're going to do a frotch to get in it. You know, and it like really motivated us all. So uh, it was it was good in the end. <laughs> no, that's good. So um, next year. Next year is going to be the year for you, I think, isn't it? I think you've... Um, is, it, is it your fourth in Oldham? Yeah. Yeah, your fourth professional yep. fight. Yep. Um, so next year really is where you're going to be what you're looking to kick in on. And we've talked about it so much in this podcast about the depth of divisions and, and women's boxing in general. So next year really, I would I would like... This is just me speaking personally and saying I, I'd like to see you yourself next year you know, hopefully the border control will bring some sort of British title in, and maybe you'll contest for that, um, and, and we'll see something big. But even even if that doesn't happen, I said to you before we went on the podcast, I looked on Boxrec, and obviously it's um, you've got the world rankings. Uh, I mean, they're not so they're much all from miles away in my division. They, yeah, they're not so much official though the Boxrec ones, but yeah, in the world rankings, all they're all from like Costa Rica, <laughs> Dominican Republic, like they're all, you know. <laughs> really far afield, yes. so you know we'll have to see how that works out. But um, but the next thing to do after Oldham will be an eight rounder, because uh, obviously you want to move up and develop your you know stamina, so yeah, to speak, at, at these different. Uh, so if we're gonna do an eight rounder, it'll kind of make sense to perhaps do it for a title, because just like the men's, that there are some ten round titles. Oh yeah, of course there is. Yeah. Eight round titles yeah. for women because the, the ten is the world title level. So if we're gonna do an eight rounder anyway, uh, it probably makes business sense if nothing else. Yeah. Um, to do it for a title, so um, the girl at my weight in London's just con- contested for a, you know one of these intercontinental challenge belts yes. or whatever eight round. So it may be that, that we uh, do something similar to that at the beginning of the year, early on, uh, and make my eight rounder, you know, along those lines, and then build up from there. And we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, I've got good people advising me. You know, my coach Blaine Eunice is brilliant. Um, you know, when I came to him last year, like I say, I was. I didn't know if I could even box again. Yeah. And, you know, after that first session with him, I, I almost floated out of here. It was, <laughs> I just, I just thought this is it. You know, and I knew he was the one person I wanted to coach me. And then Pat Barrett's been brilliant. You know, um, he said uh, when it, we were both featured on the Box Nation thing, like Beyond the Ropes, where they yeah. do about your life outside it, and they did one on him, one on me. So we watched each other's, and I didn't know he'd watch mine. I assumed he wouldn't, but he did. He's told me recently, and he said that. I remember watching it and thinking, she's all right for a girl. <laughs> um, so he said he was never like a fan of women's boxing, he was never into it. And, you know, he's, but he, now he's, uh, you know, seeing something else yeah. in it, which is great. And he's just been so supportive and he's really mentoring me and giving me advice and, you know, guiding my career a bit, really, which is just what you need. You, you really, really need these mentors and people to, you know, pull you along and put you in the right direction. You, you do need them. And, um, you know, hopefully he's the right person for me. He has been so far. He's been brilliant, you know, uh, getting me on his shows and advising me in general. He's been great. So, um, you know, hopefully that'll continue and I can, 
you know, win a title and defend it on his show because I'd like to be loyal to what he's done really yeah. for me. Yeah, no, it's good to hear. So next year, hopefully, will be a, a good step in the direction you want to go next year. Yeah, I hope so. Um, like a, I mean, even making a pro debut, I've got to be honest with you, it was like a, a fairy tale. I know it's a bit a bit cheesy but no, honestly not at all. Was, not at like all. walking out especially in my home city and it was a poignant time because we just had the Manchester bomb attack so uh, you know I had my two mascots and we had the Isle of Manchester t-shirts yeah. on that and my theme tunes very much a tribute to my home city because it's the Dropkick Murphys because I love Mickey Ward and I love that tune but it's uh, with the voice of Tony Walsh over it reading the This Is The Place poem um, so it was just the atmosphere was unbelievable um, it was just incredible to come out and, and be thinking, wow, you know, from having gone from being a kid who was told I couldn't box and yeah. it was illegal, to then not only having had 40 amateur bouts and, you know, I've had three national titles now, European silver and all that, but then to making a professional debut was just something I, I, I probably didn't think would ever happen, to be honest, as much as I hoped it would. I wasn't sure it would, and, <clears throat> and there I was doing it, and it was oh, it was just amazing. Well, what was what was your feeling when you was just ready to step between uh, between the curtain to come out? To be honest, I, all I was focusing on was not letting the emotion of it get to me yeah. because I could quite easily have come out and just felt very overwhelmed with the emotion. It was very charged, and I could I could see a few of my friends and family there who were quite emotional, you know, tearing up as yeah, I came yeah. out because they knew what it meant as well. Um, to me and to the sport in general you know, it's not often you get to do something that's not just massive for you but that's significant in your sport as well um, so yeah the main thing was I was just trying to think stay focused on what you've actually got a job to do here you know it's not enough just to come out and be a professional you know you've, you've got to you've got to box well like don't don't balls it up for god's sake <laughs> so yeah mostly I was just thinking focus on the instructions that Blaine was giving me try and basically just fight the fight not the occasion that was the thing in my head good so I'm looking forward to next year um, it'll be a great great time for women's boxing I'm sure it's just going to get bigger and better next year I really do think it's going to be bigger and better and I think this time next year I'll be fighting to try and get older Stacey Copeland to come on a podcast or come and do some sort of interview because I do I do genuinely believe no definitely believe. not even <laughs> if it did like get bigger you know the people who've been there from the beginning you know, like you know, like we talked before, Aki at British boxers. Yeah, and, British boxers and Aki, yeah. Part and Blaine, and I mean, obviously they'll be part of it anyway. But you know, the, the people um, who've, who've been there, like Granada, Mike Hall at Granada was brilliant covering my debut and stuff. You know, uh, Radio Manchester have been great. So you know, those those are the people who really help you get off the ground. Yeah. You know, and we all need that. It's you know, every boxer or athlete needs that to get them off. So we really appreciate your support. And which is um, uh, which is why I do. Which is why I started what I've started. You know, I've um, um, you, you might not know a lot about what I've done because obviously um, you, you're very busy doing what you're doing. But again, I, I get satisfaction out of helping people like yourself. Uh, a couple of pro fighters, I've been able to help get them sponsorships. Um, you know, because I've, I've got connections with certain people, and I, you know that I get satisfaction out of that more than anything. Just helping these guys on their journey, and me just being a part even just being a bystander to that journey is enough for me um, but again I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to what women's boxing does in the next 12 months because I do genuinely believe it's it's taking off and it, it's just not stopping at the moment and I think this time next year we're going to be looking at uh, a few more of the of the names you've mentioned earlier on in the podcast uh, being up there and yeah. hopefully we'll see the um, what looks like they're sort of setting up to Natasha Jonas and Katie Taylor at some point you know I, I do think that'll probably happen next year that's my personal opinion I think the match room are and Eddie Hearn are pretty much 
sort of he's stoking that one. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's he, very good business. He, he, he's setting that one up for he's yeah. letting it brew for twelve months and then when they've both had you know, she's defended her title. Titles, you can unify him yeah. or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. It's bit, and they will. You know what? They will. They won't they won't avoid each other. Which is, I'm not saying all men do that because they absolutely don't. You know, we've seen it with Triple Triple G and Canelo. Yeah. We've got Rigondo and Lomachenko yes. to absolutely look. I mean, I can't wait. Yeah, for that. No, I can't wait for that. Got to be, got to be chomping at the bit to see that one next week. But um, yeah, so there's a lot of them that do. You know, don't get me wrong. But we we know we're aware, aren't we? That there's a lot that avoid each other, yeah. or they avoid each other until a certain time when yeah. one who's the big draw knows that it's the right time to get them and so on and so on. And it didn't used to happen, you know. And, and we. It's a shame, really, because we we we're so much richer for having had those like Duran and Sugar Ray fights, for yeah. example, when they were in the prime. I mean, there's nothing quite like watching boxing, particularly close-up ringside professional boxing, no, when true. it's the best in the world. There isn't for me. There's nothing quite like it. Um, it's different to everything else, and, and I think sometimes we denied that as boxing fans and it's a shame but I don't think the women will avoid each other because no. when it's taking all this to get here you're not going to turn down the opportunity that, to do that that's one of the positive things I was saying earlier I was saying I, I hope you know the, the right things get put into place for women's boxing in general but I also hope in the same sense that they don't overpopulate it and overcrowd it too much with too many titles um, saturate it yeah I don't want it to be oversaturated because I want to see the, the, as, as the many of the best fight the best because you want to see these things happen you talk about these fights for years and then they don't end up happening until both are past the prime or one of them's past the prime and then when you do see it you you kind of well that glimmer of hope still there that may be the favourite one that you wanted to win win it and that's why we want to see stuff like yeah. we talked about like Fury and AJ yeah. we want to see it soon you know we don't want to see it when either side's going to be able to say well they're older or they've had a yes. big layoff or they've had this they've had that you know there's nothing quite like seeing the very very best go up against yeah. each other in the prime and seeing what happens because as much as we're in this age of technology where it's pretty phenomenal what we can do which when we were kids didn't exist you know like Skype and you know, now you can sit, <laughs> yeah. on, sit on Everest and, and report back to somebody is just phenomenal yeah, FaceTime WhatsApp Snapchat mental, yeah. unbelievable yet we're still mesmerised by a simple thing like 11 versus 11 trying to kick a ball into a goal yeah. that's ridiculous you know like one of the biggest spectacles in the world is a giant Jamaican and just nine other people trying to chase him down a hundred metre track who'd have thought we would be completely captivated by it and similar to boxing you know Mayweather and McGregor I mean that was a ridiculous matchup yeah. but look how many people were just it captured their imagination and we're all sat there watching at four in the morning whatever it was watching two people essentially just fight each yeah. other so even though we've got all this technology that's the beauty of sport that it's still unpredictable the underdog can still win yep. it, you know there's all of that that really you can say all you want they've got this they've got that but you just don't know you just don't know that one punch might happen and it changed everything that's like with Fiori and AJ you can go on as much as you want one's got this one's got that one but you, really nobody knows no. we can say we know but you just don't know what's going to happen and it's just makes sports so exciting and nothing can replace that's, that that's, that's another part of being a fan isn't it because you, oh, you, yeah. when you, spe- you sit there speculating and you have your debates about it and um, you just one one punch can change it all and that, that's always going to be that same old conversation the only thing that's, that's a shame now is that I know it's better for the boxers pay per view and Sky and BT and all that and I know that I get that but I do a part of me is a bit nostalgic for back in the day when Ben and Eubank for example would be fighting yeah. and the excitement all week I mean it wasn't really shared by people at school 
because when I was in primary school, a lot of kids would be like, who, who's you, Bank? Who's Ben? What are you on about? Yeah. But I spent the other, th- you know, nights a week in the gym. So I, I was surrounded by people who on the buzz in the gym the all the weeks it, building yeah. up to it like it's all we could talk about and we'd be like I wonder what Eubanks sort of ring walk would be like and you know that time he came yeah. out on that big bike and the whole rest of the week everyone was wanting to be Eubank in the gym and <laughs> walking around doing his stance I used to do it with, oh, um, with Nazis Prince yeah, Nazim Hamad yeah, yeah. I used to think oh what's he going to come out and do it was great being on Telestrial Telly wasn't it you know you knew you were going to be able to watch it and you didn't it wasn't a matter of am I going to have to go out somewhere do I have to have Sky and BT yeah. and this and that do I have to you know pay for it will I get a live stream like it was just on the telly yeah. so all your mates could watch it all your little mates in the gym no matter whether you were rich or poor whatever you could all just watch well, it well they do it with football don't they like when the, World, when the World Cup's on or the Euros are on usually the BBC the or telly. ITV they, they get it the Olympics yeah. yeah, the Olympics is another one yeah. we always get the opportunity to yeah, be able to watch it. it I mean we get some on Channel 5 Spike and whatever don't we yeah. like McGuigan's are on there so it's good but those massive massive matchups like if it was big anyway Frotch and Groves and AJ and Fiore would be if it happens but imagine if it was just like it was Ben and Eubank when it was yeah. on the normal telly my god oh god the viewing, the viewing figures would go through the roof wouldn't they but it'd transcend the sport wouldn't it and there'd be people yeah. who would not ordinarily watch boxing would go do you know what I'll, I'll actually watch this one because if you haven't got Sky or 20 quid to pay for it yeah. or whatever then you know you're less likely to but I do miss them days a bit when Oh, the excitement in our yeah. team before them fights was massive. And oh, you're I remember, like, I remember like, Lennox Lewis as well. Side. People go, I hate you, Bank, wanting to get beaten. <laughs> Other people are like, I love it, you know, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, no. Like you say with the World Cup, after things yeah. like that happened, you know, all the Euros after Gaza scored that goal where yes. he chipped um, Never forget that. Colin Hendry or whatever. The, the whole next week at school, that's all we did was recreate that goal yep. 50 million times that week and the celebration. You know, someone would bring a water yep. bottle with them and everyone wanted to. But that's what inspires kids, yes. isn't it? You know, wanting to emulate those those sporting heroes. It's brilliant. As much as I love all the platforms that are out there, myself, and, you know, I do watch them. I can't sit here and say I don't because I, I want to watch boxing and sometimes it's the only way you're going to be able to watch it. But, in the say, in, you know, in the same sense, like you said there it brings back so you talk about it and you smile as you're talking because you think it brings back so many happy memories of, yeah. of, of days gone by and you think to yourself yeah I'd go into school the next day and want to talk about this or I'd want to re- reenact that particular moment in time um, and and, and you know, it'd be, I personally would like to see it a bit more back on terrestrial TV. I was hoping when ITV announced the deal that they were going to do a bit more terrestrial mm-hmm. style, but it's more of a box office. And it is very much a, a, a working class sport dare I say it that a lot of the kids who go into it don't tend to be you, you know what I mean? You're dead well off. You get a handful kids, that are, I mean? but then yeah. the majority, yeah, well, let's from be honest, ordinary working class normal backgrounds, working class yeah. backgrounds, yeah. You're um, right. And, and it's it's like football's moved away from that bit by bit. You know, as a kid, when I went to play footy, if you didn't have your subs one week, they'd, they'd go, oh, go on then. Yeah, you know, yeah. And what was it? It's like two quid subs anyway. Now, everything's on direct debit, even to be part of a local <laughs> team, and you're like, what? So, you know, the 100 quid a year yeah. memberships and all, it's got like tennis, you I know, it's... feel it's a lot about yeah. the money these days and I what know. it used to and be. And I just hope boxing doesn't lose that where, you know, there are a lot more better facilities now, which is good. Yeah. But like my granddad's gym, you know, if there's a leak, you shove a bucket under it, it's damp, it's freezing cold in the winter, it's boiling hot in the summer, it stinks, it's it's old, it's fallen a bit, it's bought that, it's kind of... Yeah. synonymous with boxing it's a quintessential old boxing gym you know and there's, there's a beauty in that that you kind of don't want to lose where you, like say you just pay you two or three quid and that's it you know there's no barriers to, to kids to get involved with the sport and that, that's a brilliant thing so let's uh, let's wrap it up I've kept you a lot longer than what I expected to keep you you know what I said to you when I was emailing yesterday I said once you get talking 
this is what happens an hour and 12 minutes we've been well, that's great it. though when boxing yeah. fans or yeah. the sports fans get together that's, that's the beauty of it and it got something coming straight away <laughs> yeah uh, the, there's only one final thing I wanted you to do personally is um, is to I don't know who your sponsors are but give them a shout out whoever's supporting you in that respect um, ok well there's Lee Siddall Intelligent Nutrition who provides me meal prep they're based in Cheshire absolutely lovely he really looks a bit like you actually <laughs> he's a really really nice guy who's dead passionate about supporting sports of, of all kinds so that's great uh, everyone who's a sponsor uh, is kind of buys into the ethos of yeah. being about what I'm about which is brilliant uh, then there's Gaz Hardy at Go Hard Nutrition he supplies supplements but he also does you know like a healthy food place in Ashton uh, fantastic food and he's like just starting up in business himself he's got a you know, great role model to young people getting into business and that and I really want to get behind him and yeah. he's got his own clothing range now and that which is brilliant um, then there's obviously Steer Market Platform Performance who are a massive massive part of me getting me back to boxing um, then there's Mexican Boxing Gear who've provided my gloves which have been rival so far um, and they've been great my last fight was the first time that I had a you know my own fight gloves which yeah. was great you know I did feel they're good footing <laughs> like it was like when you get brand new footy boots you know yeah. <laughs> same when you get brand new boxing gloves it felt dead special and I got yeah. my first stoppage with them so obviously they worked um, but yeah uh, thanks very much to you know to, to them for providing gloves obviously that's really helpful Grosvenor Finance bought my kit which is really helpful and uh, obviously uh, Rebecca Webb Physiotherapy she's a friend of mine um, who's a physio in my local town of Hyde and she's been great because you know, at my age, <laughs> you, need, you need a good MOT and maintenance <laughs> pretty regularly. So I was, uh, yeah, been pretty lucky that she's uh, supporting me. But um, yeah, so I've got some, and I've just had a meeting with uh, somebody at Sports Tours International for for uh, sponsorship as well. So that, that's looking really promising at the minute. And obviously, it really is an essential part. Yeah, of, absolutely. Of it. But if nothing else, it's people supporting you, and believing yes. in you. To be honest, as much as financial stuff is, what you know, or things like you know people providing stuff yeah um is so, that important like kit and equipment that's that's really important but it's just that the, also the thing that they're kind of saying by wanting to be associated with you we believe in what you're doing yeah and that's a massive massive thing for me so uh regardless whether they give you something worth a quid or 100 quid it's it's that, that oh, I agree. In you and want yeah. to be part of that journey yeah. it's, it's fantastic so i can't agree with you enough on it because that is exactly the reason why i do what i'm doing is because i buy into i've always bought into box i've always loved it from day one uh, and I'll, I'll i'll help anyone where i can i'll do whatever i can for anybody in the boxing game to get them where they need to go if it's helping them get a little bit of sponsorship here and there that's great for me I, that's my satisfaction is I see them getting the support they need to get yeah. to that next level it's a great time for you to be doing this in boxing as well because I really think we're having a massive resurgence at the minute in, in the sport as a whole do you know what I mean I think yeah. it, it, a lot of people are, are dead interested in boxing again and it's had a newfound respect in some ways that people are really into it again you know it's booming in this yeah, country again so I think it's a great time for stuff like this anyway it is I love it I can't I, you know I, I spend a lot of time away from home don't get me wrong I work full time like yourself yeah. and then outside of this I come and do uh, as much as I can for, for people to support them and, and give give other people you know like I once was just a fan uh, give them an outlet another different outlet to look at for different things and, and, and I'm glad that you know there's people like you that are coming on to, to tell you stories it's been great to sit here listening to it Um for people that obviously don't already follow this journey if they want to start following your particular journey where can they find you on social media I'm on Twitter at S Copeland Boxer uh, Instagram at Stacey Copeland Boxer 
cool. Right, well, that's it. I want to wrap everything up by saying thanks very much, Stacey. I appreciate no, your thank time. thank you. Thanks very much. It's a nice Saturday afternoon. I'm going to go off and uh, get ready for the evening events in Blackburn because I'm at a show tonight in Blackburn. So uh, thanks very much for coming on. And uh, if everybody likes this podcast, please give it a review. Please share it. Please share Stacey's journey. Uh, let everybody listen to it because it's, uh, it's, it's a fantastic one to listen to. Thanks very much, everybody. Network. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.